press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists at The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Nick Jensen. It's Thursday, January 5. The Australian Army is set to secure its biggest firepower upgrade in a generation with the delivery of a Norwegian-made naval strike missile and a US-made missile system in 2026. The federal government has signed a contract for 20 of the truck-mounted HIMAR missile systems, which have played a critical role in the war in Ukraine, turning the tide against Russia. The $1 billion worth of arms purchases will give the ADF two of the most capable missile systems as it scrambles to acquire new long-range capabilities to deter would-be aggressors. Anthony Albanese will be granted an unprecedented address to Papua New Guinea's parliament during a visit to Port Moresby next week. A defence treaty is on the agenda, and Albanese's PNG counterpart, James Marape, is expected to push for a new budget support loan and training for the country's already stretched police force. In an exclusive interview with The Australian, PNG's Foreign Minister Justin Chichenko said the government wanted Australia's aid program to focus on the country's big ticket items of health and education, as well as providing capacity building support for police. Melbourne is on track to replace Sydney as the largest city in Australia within a decade, despite being the capital city where population growth was hardest hit by the pandemic. The government's new population statement also confirms Queensland is the go-to place for those elsewhere and is expected to continue to have the most interstate migration of all the Australian states and territories. In the office, it seems like smart casual rules, but could our newfound affinity for trainers and aversion to ties spell the end of the power suit? The front's Kristen Amiot spoke to editor of the Australian's Wish magazine, David Marr, about the changing meaning of dressing for success. The COVID-19 pandemic has undoubtedly changed how and where and what we wear to work, potentially forever. But what if I told you workwear, and specifically men's workwear, is undergoing the biggest shift since Regency England? That's the contention of Wish editor David Marr. He joins me now. David, that's a pretty big call. To know how things are changing, we kind of need to understand the history of how men dress for work. Can you give me an abridged version? Once upon a time, men all worked in factories and they didn't wear suits and so on. But really in the Industrial Revolution where the nature of work changed is kind of when the men's suit, it had already been invented before then, but it really hasn't changed much since then. Obviously, styles come and go, but the basis of it, you know, a jacket with buttons at the front and a pair of trousers, that really hasn't changed. And it was something that was designed for the type of work that men did. It was like a uniform. It was fit for purpose. And a tie had an actual function. A tie has no real function now other than being decorative. But really, up until quite recently, men were still wearing them and as part of their working wardrobe. So really, I think what we've seen in post-pandemic is the biggest change, bigger than in the Great Depression and bigger in World War II because people were still buying suits and wearing suits. But really what happened in the pandemic was the nature of work shifted so dramatically for everybody. So are we talking about office settings specifically here or workwear more generally? 
I think we're talking about office where, because obviously what happened in the pandemic was people weren't working in offices. And I think there was that very brief moment where people thought, oh, do I need to dress up to do a Zoom call? I think that lasted five minutes and people realised, I'm at home. Everyone else is at home. Why kind of maintain this facade that I want to look like I'm in an office? And we all got very used to wearing casual clothes. So really it was about, we used to have this distinction between work and home. Workwear was what we wore to work and to the office, which was a suit and tie. And for most people, they didn't wear those clothes on the weekend and they took them off as soon as they got home. We kind of lost that distinction between the two different parts of our lives. We started wearing our normal home clothes to do a work day at work. And there are pluses and minuses for that. Is this observable in the way that women dress for work in a post-pandemic world as well, or are the blokes just running with it? The death of the men's suit was happening before the pandemic. We'd seen casualisation in the workforce happening, but really what it did was it really put a line under it and sped it up. And I think there used to be this idea that women had to dress a certain way in the office, that there was this power dressing, you know, or the idea of a power suit. And it was a piece of clothing that was for women that was based on a men's suit. It, for the most part, just had a skirt instead of trousers. Or it didn't, it had trousers. But it was very much based on the feminised version of what men wore. And I think what you've seen with the pandemic is people are just wearing clothes that they feel comfortable in. And that tends to break down that gender distinction between what men wore to work and what women wore to work. If I speak to people who are in the business of fashion and luxury goods and so on, the one thing they say to me is the hardest thing to sell at the moment is a men's tie. People just aren't buying them. And if you sort of think, okay, if if the tie has died for men, what's died for women? And I was putting some thought into this and I thought, how is, you know, because women don't wear ties, so how has that changed for women? And if you look around, I mean, just looking around the office that we work in, very few women are wearing high-heeled shoes. It's probably not as dead as the men's tie, (laughs) I think, because they have a function, you know, their shoes after all. But if I look around the women that work in my office, so many of them are wearing flat shoes or trainers, these kind of less constricting shoes. Stay with us. After the break, David Marr tells us the workwear trend retailers will be pushing in the New Year's sales for 2023. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for something to talk about wherever you listen to your podcasts. David, you work here in the office quite often. Have you changed anything about the way that you dress for work? Absolutely. I have not worn a tie in a long time, except maybe to go to a funeral. You know, I think now if I turned up in the office and I was wearing a suit and tie, I think people would think I was either going for a job interview or (laughs) I'd been to a funeral. I moved house at the beginning of 2020 and I moved house again a week ago. And when I moved house, I looked at my chest of drawers and there is a whole drawer. I think I have about 80 ties. I remember thinking the last time I moved two years ago, oh God, I'm not wearing these anymore. Two years later, that drawer was open for the first time. And I do kind of think, why am I 
holding on to these, am I ever going to wear them again? Possibly, yes, but certainly I don't have the need for that many times. <laughs> but the other thing that I have noticed that I wear very infrequently are leather shoes, hard-soled shoes. I wear trainers all the time mm-hmm. to the point where if I put what were the kinds of shoes that I used to wear to work on, I feel really uncomfortable. And I sort of have a strong feeling that for a lot of people won't come back. You know, once they put sneakers on at work, that's like, okay, this is a game changer. (laughs) I'm never going back. Do you think employers are kidding themselves if they're trying to entice people back to the office with something as archaic now as a dress code? How are they responding to this kind of shift? It's really interesting. I mean, I spoke to somebody who works in HR for a big bank and they are struggling to get people to come back to the office. I mean, people are coming back to the office, but like in a lot of workplaces, some people have responded really well to working from home and they don't want to come back. So the idea that you would put another layer on top of that and say, we want you to come back, but also we want you to wear clothes that you don't like wearing. I think employers would just be very happy if people came back. They're not going to be so strict about dress codes and so on. The idea of, you know, trying to entice people back into the office, (laughs) you've got to lure them back. You can't put a layer of difficulty on that for people. You know, people are doing their jobs just as well. If they're in a business that's about making money, if they're so long as they're hitting their targets, I don't feel that there's this huge impetus from employers to force a dress code on people. And most people who work in offices will likely be enjoying a very well-deserved break when they're listening to us having this chat. But the return to work is likely in the back of their minds. What do you think they'll be shopping for as that comes around and and as the post-Christmas sales kick off? I looked at the most recent round of sales and the most heavily discounted items were tailoring, jackets and suits and so on. People will still buy clothes, but I think what they want is they want their clothes to sort of perform a double or triple duty. I think now people will think, okay, well, maybe I'll buy this jacket or this shirt because I can wear it on the weekend and I can wear it out if I go out with my mates, but also I can wear it to the office. So really it's changing that idea that you've got clothes just for work and clothes for outside of work. So in in a way, it's probably, if you think about it, a more sustainable approach to clothing and fashion because you can buy fewer things that perform more duties. David Marr is the editor of the Australian's Wish magazine. He was speaking with the front's Kristen Amian. If you're looking for something else to keep you occupied this summer, you can read all our journalism anytime at theaustralian.com.au. I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component of that. I I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts.